What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Very interesting, very uh, diverse guest. He has recently retired for 30 years with the Maryland Department of Agriculture. He is a cancer survivor. He is also a published author and very cool, a beekeeper. Please welcome Ben Cooper. Ben, thank you for joining us today. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I'm glad to be a guest today. And uh, just, I feel like I'm living a dream. Retired a little bit earlier than most and at the age of 57. And uh, just am going at life as full steam as I can. I can't understand how I had time to work in a job over 40 hours a week uh, because I have to keep a schedule and a calendar more now than I used to, but I'm busy. I, I just finished a, um, a college level course teaching beekeeping. I do that in the spring and the fall uh, each year. Been doing that for nine years now and mentor beekeepers and um, just enjoy being outside, connecting with people. As you mentioned, um, a recent author, my first book came out in 2019, January, uh, and uh, I have a children's series. My second book in that children's series is just about done waiting for my illustrator to finish one more image, and it'll get the manuscript will be sent off to my publisher and looking forward to that. So life full steam ahead. That's the way I live it. That's amazing. I love that. What a dynamic story and a great example for anyone that's out there that's listening that might be approaching retirement or is retired early, what have you. So, I mean, you found other outlets to, to, to live a fulfilling life. So um, I know before we started recording, you did say that being a cancer survivor really encouraged you or motivated you to become an author. Can you tell us about that journey and, and, and how, what that looks like? Yeah, and I'm a double cancer survivor. Oh. Um, 19, I just hit my 19-year first. Those of us that deal with that call it cancer-versary, um, make up words. Uh, authors make up words sometimes, but that was 19 years ago. We had to fast forward the last day of 2001, my youngest of five children was born. Okay. Uh, about the last minute of the last day, my wife did not want to be the New Year's mom and have her picture in the local paper. So she, um, uh, and then only about two months later, then I was diagnosed with a very rare and serious uh, cancer that I had no idea. That C word is scary to anybody. And then to have to be consulted with a brain surgeon, a oncologist, and all the different steps that went in, you know, if I would have had to digest everything at the very first and give me the whole lineage of what I had to go through, I'd probably just say, check me off the list. I'm not interested, but that's not yeah. really. Yeah, so um, it was uh, called adenocarcinoma. I actually had cancer up in this area. Oh, wow. I had to have had to have uh, brain surgery. They actually removed where my hand is covering this oh. of my skull base, cut my nose and re removed a third of my eye socket. And then I had to have 130 radiation treatments following at that. So, Oh my goodness. That was very grueling. I was worried about whether people would, you know, self-conscious, whether 
people would notice and look at me and say, sure. oh, you had, but I, I had 43 staples across ah! the top of my head. <laughs> and if I would have just went in as me, I would have had a reverse opposite mohawk. That's, they would have shaved this area. And so two weeks before, just mentally to prepare, I shaved my whole head. And um, so when I went to surgery, my kids that were pretty young at the time, um, they would get used to me coming back. And I just wore a hat to cover the 43 staples for a while. Yeah. Um, and then just five years ago, I had prostate cancer. Oh, my goodness. You poor thing. And, and it isn't easy when the second cancer hits. It, it isn't any easier. You just know what to go through. It takes a little bit longer. But when that second cancer hit, um, the doctor said the first cancer was life-threatening. Just the surgery, I had about a 30% chance of survival. And if I just had the radiation, I had about a 35% chance of survival. If I had both, then the odds went up. And I, let me tell you, you know, the cancer, sur the cancer surgery was an, a breeze to go through. It's the radiation that yeah. long-term ill effects that I'm affecting. It's affecting me now. I have cataracts in both eyes. And um, because the radiation was to this area and, you know, it's just devastating and you never know how long-term effects are going to be. But uh, the second cancer was life-changing because, um, you know, no, no guy wants to go through prostate cancer, but if you live long enough, you're going to have prostate issues. And because my dad had it, I was subject yeah. a few years, 20 years earlier. And, um, you know, so you got to kind of deal, you take the, take the hand that you're dealt and you've got to work with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, wow, what a survivor you are. I mean, just that is just intense to go through. I mean, obviously, God had bigger plans for you. You know, he was like, Nope, you're staying here, Ben, you're not going anywhere, we're going to get you healthy again. And um, that I mean, just amazing. Wow, I can't even imagine that. And you seem like you're in good spirits. <laughs> um, every day's every day's a gift. That's the way I yeah. look at it. Each new day is a gift. Um, and that second cancer diagnosis, my wife, it didn't hit her as hard as it did me. Um, when that first one, when that on the oncologist and the brain surgeon said, this is what they were going to do to me. Yeah. We were in shock for literally hours. Yeah. Until, um, you know, I think my first words, I never in my life believed I would sit in a room and hear a doctor say this to anybody, let alone me. And my wife just said, yeah, me neither. You know, just what, the, what they were going to do. I thought orthoscopic surgery or do something, but man, it was kind of the whole gambit. It, uh, they call it a, rad a cranial retraction and a rhinectomy and all these fancy things. Um, ten and a half hours of surgery uh, in Baltimore uh, and at a teaching school. And then the follow-up, cancer was at Johns Hopkins, which is one of the leading yeah. uh, prostate, prostate cancer uh, hospitals. But that second cancer diagnosis, I'll be honest with you, Deanna, I, I kind of felt sorry for myself for about three days. Yeah. And I thought, you know, why do I have to do, I, I did my time. I went right. through a pretty major thing. Why do I have to have it again? And then I realized that, you know, and I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt from uh, who would I want to wish cancer on? And any, even my worst enemy, I wouldn't want to wish cancer on anybody. And so, you know, the first one I used 
mental therapy, as I call it, because I, it's hard to believe, but I was thankful that I had cancer. Really? Wow. Because I was thankful it wasn't my wife or any one of my five kids. Oh, that's very sweet and very like, wow. Oh my gosh. You're going to make me cry. Stop. Okay. Let me, so, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you have any kids? I do not, but I lost my husband five years ago. He well, passed away. You know what loss is and, and what parent wouldn't say, I wish I could put this on myself. So right. my kids or my wife doesn't have to go. And I used that as my first therapy. And then the second cancer came, a diagnosis came out. Oh man, not, you know, so about three days, I felt bad for myself. And, and then I said, you know what? Now I'm going to do something different. I picked up one of these things and a piece of paper. And I said, God planted a book in me years ago. And every time I worry and fret and get, I feel a little bit down uh, trodden, I'm going to write. Yeah. And so I got that book done. And in 2019, January, it became available. And um, okay, tell, therapy. tell us about this book. Where, how, what, what was the idea behind the book? Um, my wife homeschooled all five of our kids. And I wanted to write this. I, I, my whole life, I grew up on a farm, um, got a degree from Penn State from, with agriculture, worked with um, agriculture in my career. And I'm involved with beekeepers. So animals and nature is just a just how my background is. And so I wrote this book, and it's called All Nature Sings. It's a devotional of animals in the Bible, looking oh, I love at it. I love character it. character traits of uh, this animal. For example, um, quick example: a black bear uh, that's normal around here. It's a it's a threat to me as a beekeeper. But the black bear actually is one of the animals that nurtures their young longer than any other, up to 16 to 18 months. Wow. Those cubs will be nurtured by mom. They, she teaches them how to get through the first winter. And, uh, and there's a lot of other unique things. And, and it reminds me of a scripture verse that train up the child in the way they should go. And, you know, nature just copies what God's already created. And my book, All Nature Sings, just kind of pinpoints uh, devotionals. It takes 28 animals and looks at how you can learn from them, their character traits, and it, it, it attributes to a Bible passage or, or message. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Today's episode is brought to you by Honey Love. Ladies, let's talk about shapewear. We all know most shapewear makes you feel like you're being suffocated. That sexy dress in the back of your closet is so freaking cute, but the thought of having your insides squished by your shapewear is just not worth it. That's why Honey Love spent years researching and developing effective shapewear that's actually comfortable. Overly tight, cheap and sticky fabrics that roll up are a thing of the past. Thanks to Honey Love, you can finally feel confident and comfortable in your favorite outfits. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners for a limited time only. You can get Honey Love's best deal they offer. Get 20% off your entire order with the code LABEL320 at honeylove.com. That's right, ladies. Get 20% off of your entire order with LABEL320 at honeylove.com. Well, I'm all, I'm all about nature. I love animals myself. I have four. <laughs> and I'm single. I'm by myself. I got two dogs and two cats. What am I thinking? I'm like the crazy pet lady. <laughs> I have a hundred if I could, honestly. I just, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a big animal lover myself. Um, what's the name of your, of your book? 
All Nature Sings, a devotional guide to animals in the Bible. It can be found on Amazon. Uh, you look up All Nature Sings, my name, Ben Cooper, you can find it. Um, the children's book series actually is a spinoff from that book. It's called Created Critters. It's a, a series of children's picture book. And the first one is out. It came out last November. It's, and it's called Created Critters with Wings. Okay. So there's birds and insects. Of course, there's bees in it. Yeah. My illustrator is also a beekeeper. And if you remember the end of those weird Where's Waldo books? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, my illustrator and I, decided we're going to hide a hidden picture of a bee, image of a bee in each of the photos in the picture book. So the kids from four to eight years old, maybe they can't read while the adult is reading to them. They're looking for the hidden bee picture. And so the second book is just about ready to go to my publisher. It's called um, Created Critters with Fur. Aww. And there's a mouse hidden in every one of the pictures. That's super cute. I so, love that. Um, it, it's fun. It's engaging. And, um, you know, it's part of the reason why I can say I'm living the dream, um, seeing uh, people enjoy your books. That's, that's the dream of an author, for people to read your books and say that they really like them and want to share them. And uh, I've already had one ask for uh, a second copy because their young one or their little um, child has basically used up that book and left it outside in the rain Oh boy! and was upset. So they just, uh, I just sent them another one. I said, no, you don't have to buy another one. If she used it that much, I'm just going to send you another copy. So that's very nice. And that that's very kind hearted of you. I'll make sure to put that the link for the book in the, uh, the description of the episode. So let's talk about your bee beekeeping, because I think that that's like very important to our environment because bees are, are um, not a, a, like, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Extinct, not extinct. Not extinct. There we go. I was like, I'm like, wait a second. It's on the tip of my tongue. So they're not extinct. I'm but they are reading in your mind. Yes. They I'm are in danger mind. though, right? Um, the honeybee is very highly prolific. It reproduces extremely well. The problem is a little thing, the equivalent, if you think of what a tick does to people. Yeah. A mite does to bees. Okay. And it vectors almost up to 20 different diseases. And so... The mites, and they, they become problematic for us in the northern hemisphere in the winter months. And so the, these little things like a tick is to a human, these mites, uh, an arachnid, little, little um, mite, actually sucks the life out of the bees going into winter, and they're anemic and they can't survive. So we have to adjust and learn. And then just like any kind of parasite, you can't do the same thing over and over. They build right. up a resistance. So you have to do multiple things. And so there's natural and chemical ways to treat it. But I try to stay. But I, I, I enjoy for nine years, I've been teaching beekeeping classes uh, at a local college. And I mentor people. And it's just a great way to connect. I can't see how anybody could look at what the bees do and how they communicate and how they work as a, as a communal organ. It's thousands of bees, 50,000 yeah. bees in a colony that work as one. And there's a lot of biblical truths and spiritual truths, but you can't look at a beehive and, and understand it and say that somebody bigger than just happenstance allowed this to happen. So yeah. So what got you into um, beekeeping? Oh, my, I, like I said, I grew up in animals. It was a 4-H project back when I was 14. I started. Oh, and wow. Nobody mentored me 
and I made tons of mistakes. And so later in life, um, I started mentoring people Sure. And the college approached me and said, would you teach a beekeeping class? And so uh, it's a one credit 15 hour class that I teach in the spring and the fall and had well, have had well over 200 people take the class and they enjoy it and kind of inoculate them with the same kind of excitement um, and thrill. And even working with uh, returning veterans with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is therapeutic, actually a neighboring state to you, Indiana, Purdue University uh, helps out, West Virginia um, helps out acclimating people with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, getting them into bees because there's a level of danger and it helps them acclimate back into, gives them something to do and wow. um, very therapeutic. That is, I'm going to write that down because that's a really good tip. Uh, so is it hard to, to start like a a I mean, it's a colony, right? You could consider it to yep. you start a colony. Is it hard to do that? Like how, would, how does one start out? Not giving away all the secrets, obviously, but I think yeah. that it's important for our environment. I know one other beekeeper and he's actually, he lives in the Lake Zurich and he, I guess he's got a pretty big um, colony himself, but you're, you're only the second beekeeper I've ever met. Well, it used to be everybody had them. And when 20 years ago, when the mites came, people got destroyed distraught they, they just said we can't keep them anymore and so uh my goal is backyard beekeepers used to be a thing i like to hit let them i have 12 hives i maintain last year my 11 hives that wintered over i caught 18 swarms and i made eight splits out of those 11 hives i would have had as many as 40 boxes they're very prolific especially in the spring this time of year i go out and check to make sure that my bees aren't swarming catch them and then I give them to my beekeeping, my beekeeping students that are interested because it can be expensive, but for as little as about 300 bucks, but there's a commitment just like, uh, Deanna, you have four pets. Yeah. There's a commitment level to them. You just can't have, can't be the crazy cat lady and just have your house full of them. Yeah, you know, right. you, you, you've got to be able, I tell people you should only have as many boxes or colonies as you can manage. Right. Same with pets or cars or houses or kids or whatever, you know, just yeah, whatever you can manage and you start slow and you build up, but for about 300 bucks and it, the best way to start is join or go to a, a local beekeeper meeting. They're, they're all over. There's more than what you understand or call a local extension office. I'm writing that down too. I'll put that in the notes for meeting. That's very fascinating. Have you ever gotten like stung really bad? Have they ever attacked you? Um, they do. If you listen to the bees, they will tell you whether you can work them or not. Today is very windy. We talked about that before we started. If I would get into my hives, they'd be angry and aggressive because they don't want to be messed with. Yeah. When it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity, they're kind of a little, they can get ticked off easy. But the worst, I probably 10, 12 stings at one time. I was doing actually an extraction out of us. There was a beehive in a chimney and I had to beat the bricks with a hammer and remove them out of a chimney for somebody. And they didn't like that, but I bet I wouldn't I, like I, that. <laughs> I, I got stung twice with my protective gear on, but when I took it back, I was do working when the bees told me we don't want to be worked with. And I said, well, I, I know more than you. Yeah. I got to, I got to do something. And I counted two over 200 stingers in my protective gear oh. I only got them twice, but that probably would have been pretty serious. But, um, uh, yeah, that would, I would learn bees will communicate 
and they will communicate to the beekeeper if you learn to if you learn their language they will tell you and so in my beekeeping class i tr- i try to teach the mistakes that i've made over the years so that the new people that i mentor and teach don't do the stupid things that i did um, and still live to tell about it. <laughs> well that's right <laughs> that's good um, before we wrap things up, um, do you have any last, thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your wisdom, sharing your story. I mean, it's touches my heart and, you know, obviously you are a fighter and a survivor. Like you were like, fuck you cancer. Sorry, excuse my language, but like, really, that's basically what you said and you did it. And you are a great example for your family. Any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave with the audience before we say goodbye? I'd like to encourage people to, when, when, trouble and problems and things come into when when life seems out of control there's always some other avenue that you can redirect that into something positive whether it is beekeeping for somebody that served in afghanistan whether it is somebody dealing with a cancer diagnosis or a loss of a loved one you know picking up a pen and writing down whether you get published or not it's very therapeutic just to write or keep a journal and you go back years ago years later and say oh you know i remember that time but uh i really truly believe that everybody has a book in them everybody does everybody has a story to tell and there's an audience, whether it's an audience of one or a million that are that need to hear your story. So um, yeah. that's my advice. I've, I've been asked, I've been told I should write a book. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a lot of work, but I'll get there. I'll get there. I probably will write it one day, but I'll, I'll need some help with that. Um, well, Ben, thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you and um, just listen to your story and all your wisdom. And I'd love to have you back. You know, maybe when your next book comes out, let me know. And we'll, we'll have to have you on again and talk about your, your, when your book is released. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kemple with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, follow all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.